Welcome to the Zoe household. Our desire is to bring you to the consciousness of the God life that has been made available to everyone who believes the Lord Jesus Christ. Be blessed as you listen to this powerful message by Pastor Ola Kiyosi, the resident pastor of the Zoe household, Lagos. God bless you. There's such a thing as supernatural fever. You know, one of the sad things I people believers understand is that there's a thing called supernatural fever. Things won't always happen as they ought to. It can happen in a supernatural manner. You know, I've heard stories of things that happen in Lagos. They say, ah, you know, there was a time this land was raining a lot. I bet cut soap for me. Then they started to ask, what they mean by cut soap? Then they're saying that, you know, many of these Yao guys, they just they have this idea of you know soaps which they cut and they bathe with it and when you bathe with it you are kind of favored you know things just start working out for you I'm like my god that's that's a demonic tool what about the word of god because you want to hear the truth the devil doesn't have power on his own he's a copycat Do you hear what i said he is a copycat he just perverts it so what is, meant, what is meant for sons, he perverts it for his own. In a supernatural manner, you can reap a hundredfold. God can order your steps like that. Such that you are meeting the right people you are to meet. People see you and they just like you. It's possible. You can change the narrative that people just don't like you. They can like you. It's possible. By the word of God. The Bible says, and Jesus Christ increased in favor. Jesus increased in favor. And you think he cannot increase in favor? Yes, he was rejected and denied at the time of death because there was a prophecy like that. But up until that moment, he was super favored. And that is our portion in Jesus' name. Glory to God. We're gathered here in the name of Jesus. Right? We're gathered here in the name of Jesus. Jesus is here. With, the, with his host of angels as well. I must let you know that. Jesus is our team of the month, right? Yeah. I hope you know the, the word Jesus, you know, that's not the way it is, you know, originally. So in the time of Jesus Christ, it was not called Jesus. It was called Yeshua. Yeshua. That's the Hebrew name of Jesus. That's the original name of Jesus. And you know, sometimes we see what they, we see the old Yeshua Amasia. The Amasia there is Christ. So when you say Yeshua Amasia, what are you saying? They're saying Jesus Christ. That's the transcription of the name of Jesus. Before we go further, can we celebrate my pastor, Pastor Dolak Palawal? Love you, PD. Love you so, so much. Glory to God. You know, and there are so many things to just talk about. You know, when it has to do with Jesus, you can't exhaust that name. You can't exhaust what to talk about. Because, listen, the whole Bible is centered around one man. One man. John 5. 39, he said, he said um, you said the scriptures, for in them you think you, you have eternal life. He says, but they are them. They are they that testify of me. So it means they are talking about me. I'm the superstar of this book. Moses spoke about me in the law. The prophet spoke about me in their books. David spoke about me in his Psalms, in his books. He said, I'm the one. So there's, there's no way we can exhaust Jesus. There's no way we can exhaust the teaching on Jesus. And each time you get to understand the person of Jesus, let me tell you something. This is what it will produce in you. It will produce in you the fruit of righteousness, the fruit of brokenness. As I put you before that, you heard, you heard a teaching. Okay, it happens. You just hear the teaching about Jesus Christ and you become so broken in your heart. Like, ah. So someone actually really cared all along. He died for me. 
was buried, he resurrected on the third day. And, you know, after hearing it, there's just the response of consecration. Even though you struggled to keep it for a long time, but you tried. I remember the first time I watched this movie, Passion of Christ. I cried. Lord Jesus, so you died for me. I will not steal again. I just stole my mom's meat. <laughs> I was irregular. Just, just go to the kitchen in the midnight, you know, pick one or two pieces of meat, clean your mouth. And I was, I was so pain because one of the things I loved growing up was meat. How you be giving me one meat? I be giving your husband. <laughs> That's not good there. I love you, daddy. <laughs> no, he, doesn't, he can't even hear. He's not, he's not, he's not going, he's not supporting my life, so it's fine. So, for a second. Let's pray in the Holy Spirit. Pray in the Holy Ghost for a second. You should have removed the last of the old All right. Amen. Glory. Yeah. And that's what the message about Jesus can do. And there are so many things to say about him, so many things to talk about when it has to do with Jesus. All right. So but today we're going to narrow it down with beats. Today, we're going to learn about Jesus as a prophet. As a priest. As a God and as a man. And also as a mediator. Alright? So I'll be fast with it. Are you ready? So the question is, is Jesus a prophet? Who wants to go? Is Jesus a prophet? Phoebe, we're smiling. You believe he is? Awesome. Glory to God. But what happened... In Matthew 16, when Jesus Christ was telling them, who do, you, who do men say that I am? And some said, your prophet, Elijah. Jesus Christ didn't affirm to you there. He said, what did he say? Be, when Peter finally answered, what did he say? He affirmed that he was the Christ. So if he affirmed that he was the Christ, then he automatically, is not indirectly saying, I'm not all those things you have said earlier. Come and teach. <laughs> <laughs> this guy always tried to teach my message. There's one video I posted. His voice was louder than my video, than my voice, I mean. Ah, calm down. Back roll is for you. Because you were the same clip as, as with me today. <laughs> John 6, verse 14. John 6, verse 14. John 6, verse 14. So, look at what the people said. It says, therefore, when the people saw the sign which he had performed, they said, this is truly the prophet who is come into the world. So, now, they are saying they saw the signs and their response was, this truly is the prophet that is to come into the world. Are you saying they were expecting a prophet? Yes, they were expecting a prophet. There have been prophecies 
before time that indeed there was a prophet that would come. Let's look at Deuteronomy chapter 18, verses 18. 15 and 18. Deuteronomy 15 and 18. Look at what it says. It says here, 15 and 18. 15 first. 18, Deuteronomy 18, 15 and 18. Alright, look at what it says. The Lord thy God will raise up unto thee a prophet from the midst of thee, of thy brethren, like unto me, unto him. So you can see the word, the Lord will raise up unto thee what? A what? Verse 18. He says, I will raise them up a prophet from amongst their brethren, like unto thee, and I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak unto them all that I shall command him. So, all their life, they had been expecting a prophet. They were signs of the prophet. We don't get to look into all of that. There were signs that he will work miracles amongst them. There were signs that he will communicate the word of God amongst them. Joshua was an amazing teacher of the gospel. He thought one time in Luke 18 with confidence. He said, who is this guy? Teaching with such a manner of authority. Glory to God. Glory to God. And so they were expecting a prophet. And indeed it was fulfilled. Now, this is the thing. We didn't really see Jesus say, I am a prophet. But he kind of indirectly stated that I, I might be that prophet you're actually expecting. People said this several times, he's the prophet. No, I think he's a prophet. But he never said, I am the prophet you're waiting for. Choice of words. Carefully. But he kind of indicated it in one way, stylishly. Look at John. I mean, Luke chapter 4, verse 24. And I'll tell you why, you know, he didn't do that. Luke chapter 4, verses 24. So he was talking here after he had taught in the synagogue and they reproved him and said, is this not Jesus, the son of the carpenter? And look at what he says. He said, and he said, verily I say unto you, no prophet is accepted in his country. Then he kept on talking about, you know, um, what's the next thing he said again? Talking about the miracles and all of that, you know. How that, talking about Elijah, you know, how that, there were many widowers, and also about who again, one other person like that. But look at what he said here. He said, no prophet is honored in his home. And who was he talking about then? Himself. So yes, if someone asks you, is Jesus a prophet? I could say yes, he's a prophet. But why didn't he affirm that he was a prophet when his disciples were saying it? The truth is, he is not just a prophet. He's more than a prophet. So him saying he's a prophet is cutting short his identity. He was more, and he is more than a prophet. What more is Jesus? We could also call Jesus a priest. So you could see Jesus as the prophet. You can see Jesus as the priest. Hebrews chapter 6 verse 20. Then we look at Hebrews 4, 14 to 15. Hebrews 6, 20. Look at what it says. Whether the forerunner is for us entered, even Jesus made an high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. Made after the order of what? Melchizedek. Look at um, Hebrews 4 verse 14. It says here, Seeing then that we have a great high priest that is passed into the heaven, which this high priest Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast. Uh, verse 15. So he's the high priest. Look at what he says. He says, For we have not an high priest which cannot be touched with the feelings of our infirmities, but was in all point tempted like as we were, yet without. So you can see the Bible acknowledging that Jesus Christ is the high priest. 
So now the question is, how is one man, you know, called a prophet and yet an high priest? Just so you know, why, there's why you must question that. No one in the Bible had ever been a prophet and an high priest. So what, what makes you so special that you have to have, you ought to have, you had the two roles? And why could not a man have occupied the two roles equally? Because... First, let's look at what a prophet is. Now, a prophet is a representative of God to the people. What does that mean? It means a prophet comes before the people to communicate what the God has to say. So, he has the best interest of the God than of the people. He has the best interest of the God and of the people. So it's a one-way thing. I've come to deliver the message of God. So it's a representative of God to the people. Then who exactly is the priest? The priest is the opposite. So you can see why there's contracts. The priest is the representative of the people to God. That means he has the best interest of the people to God. Naturally, you can't have two masters. You can't have the best interest of two people. You must pick one. You, you must. That's the way it is. But one person could be that person. That's Jesus. It means Jesus, he had the best interest of a man unto God. That means he puts a man first. That means if there was a negotiation, whose interest was he trying to secure? The man. If there was a prophet in a negotiation, whose interest will he try to secure? The God. So now two people with the best interests have become one person. What that means is that in a negotiation, both of them have the best outcome of the discussion. So two opposite characters became one. That was Jesus Christ of Nazareth. So how is that possible? If I was to do the math for you, I can't do that. But I could tell you it is equals to possible. This is one of the most beautiful things. You know, some people, the, the theologies, they, they call it the hypostatic state. The ability to be equally two persons or two personalities. That means you can both be a male, which is not possible, right? And a female. It's, it's like you're able to uphold two different states at the same time. Naturally impossible, but with God is made possible. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Are you getting something? And not just that. This same Jesus, further down the line, is also known as a man and yet as a God. Also known as a man and yet as a God. Two personalities, but yet possible. Such that the writer of Timothy, which is Paul, he told Timothy, he says, for without controversy. So he knew that it's an argument. It was an argument in the church that how can you tell me your God is this person and is that person? You're saying your God is two persons, but yet is one. He says, without controversy, great is the mystery of the godliness. It says how God was manifest in the flesh. Are you, are you following me here? He's saying great is this mystery. How God was made manifest in the flesh. Unthinkable. How will a God be flesh? Jesus did it. The first of his kind. 
Have you evangelized to a Muslim before and tell them Jesus Christ is God? They'll say, uh-uh, are, are you normal? How will God come so low to be a man? Because you see, compared to a God, man is like a dung. He said, how would God come so low to be a man? It's not even thinkable, but Jesus did it. But God did it. He became as a man in the person of Jesus. With that assumption, you know, to clear argument for those of you hearing me for the first time, look at John 1 verse 1. John 1 verse 1. Look at what it says. Most pop, one of the most popular scriptures, but yet misunderstood. If someone can understand the scripture, there's no need for arguing these things. Look at what it says. In the beginning was the, the word was wheat. Let, let, let me see if I can create it. In the beginning was the word, right? The word was wheat, right? What did you say next? And that word was, he's saying the word is equals to, who is the word? Look at verse 14. And the world was made flesh and dwelt amongst and we beheld his glory. The glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace. And who, 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 who became flesh? Who, was, who became flesh for us? Who was the begotten of the Father? So is it the word? The word was with God. And that word is Look at John 10, verse 30. John 10, 30. Jesus said this. It's not heresy. Jesus said this. Look at what Jesus said. He said, I and my father. Jesus said, I and my father, we are one. So, peradventure, you know, I'm struggling to understand this. Jesus with his own mouth said, we are one. That's not a mistake. It was not a typo. He said it by intentional efforts. Trying to pass a message. And Jesus Christ was very, Jesus Christ repeated this revelation over and over in the scriptures. Especially when you read John. They asked him, why are, you, why are you walking on Sabbath? His response was, that which I see my father do, I do. So you think maybe, maybe he's talking about two different persons. Like, I'm seeing my father, so I'm doing it. The Jews understood the meaning of that statement. Immediately he said that. Scripture says they took up stones and wanted to stone him, saying, how could he call himself equal with God? Yes, By that statement, he was saying, I am God. I do what God does. Does, I mean, sorry. <laughs> Come again. Please, I need to hear what he said. Yeah, 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 shy. God has not given the spirit of fear. Be bold. I'll get you. Yeah, yeah I'll get you. <laughs> tongue by tongue. <laughs> oh, glory to God. Now, God is placed on I. God is called the infinite. That means if there's anything God like, it can only be done by who? So how will now a man say that I, everything God does is what I do? He's saying that I have the ability of a God. That's what he was saying. And they got it. How dare you say you can do all God does? How dare you call yourself equal with him? That's what they were trying to imply. Simple but yet... Very direct. And this is one of the things that the church, this present hour, still argues with. It's impossible now. How would God be God and then yet be a man? If, if Jesus was God, then why was he praying to himself? And they come up with so many questions. If he's God, why can't he talk to himself? He came as a man, right? So it was 100% man. It was 100% who? So if a man wants to talk to a divinity, what does he do? He does what? 
So if it was 100% a man, is he entitled to pray? You argued that, did Jesus Christ eat? Was he hungry? Naturally, does God get hungry? Naturally, does God sleep? But did Jesus Christ sleep? Because he was a man, he had to go through the normal process as a man. As a man. That's what makes the revelation of the cross so beautiful. That when he nails pierced his hand, it pierced his hand as a man and not as a God. Because as a God, I could ensure that I don't feel a pain or the pain that I'm going through. Udeshi. Feel it, Joe. I'll be son of God. I'm sure you've had a recording. Jesus screamed. Yeah! <laughs> ah! God, <laughs> beg. Jesus Christ is watching you. <laughs> I'm sure he did. Like, ah! Yeah. <laughs> so remember what I said about the hypostatic state. Being possible to be 100% two personalities and be one person. Only possible with Jesus. 100% man, 100% God. That's why he's 100% priest and 100% prophets. Just imagine. Look at what 1 Timothy 2 verse 15 says. 1 Timothy 2 verse 16. Look at what it says. 15. No, five, sorry, five. Five. It says, For there is one God, one mediator between God, who? The man. The man, the man Christ Jesus. It's like what they call the middleman. If I'm representing the man to God, if the man says something that I'm not meant to say, because I'm his representative. I can change the words and make it. The lawyers do that, I don't, right? In court. You kind of you build a case for your clients. You package it, you make it so nice. What that means is that as the mediator, he can cover the faults of the man to the God. Can we say Jesus, my mediator? Jesus, the perfect mediator. This is the role, this is one of the roles Jesus Christ plays in our lives. You, you can't let go of it, you can't forget it. So thank God we don't have an high priest that is not touched by the feelings of our infirmities. If he was a God, he wouldn't have been touched by the feelings of our infirmities. He had to be a man to be touched by the feelings of our infirmities. What that scripture is saying is that everything, every affliction you think you're going through, Jesus Christ feels it as well. Or he felt it. So it means there's shared burdens, there's shared pains. And what that will, the consolation that we give is that someone understands me. When you were in school and you had an exam, and probably, or let's say a test, right, and you you, you scored below the pass mark of the test. And you were down like, oh, oh God. Yeah. And your friend comes and also has the same score. Do you know there's always that? <laughs> there's that consolation like, oh, we feel together. <laughs> like, yeah. There's always that consolation, that comfort. So knowing that your advocate and meditator knows what you're feeling, the body in which we communicate your pain to the Father, to be as though it's the one, Gogo. It's like he's the lawyer, but also he's the one in trouble. He feels your pain. That's why he's the best intercessor. He is. Glory to God, I've passed my notes. So, 
that's why the that's why when you read in your Bible, that's why you see scriptures that point. You know, sometimes you see in the scripture it says son of God, and you see the that part, it will tell you son of man. Have you come across it before in the Bible? Some places in the Bible, Jesus Christ is referred to as the Son of God. Some places refer to as the Son of Man. For instance, in 1 John 5, verse 20. 1 John 5, verse 20. 1 John 5, 20. Look at what it says. It says, and we know that the Son of God is come and had given us an understanding that we may know him that is true, and we are in him, that is true, even in his son, Jesus Christ, that is the true God and eternal life. Look at what the heading there, he says, and we may know that the son of is come. But look at Luke chapter 2, Luke 9 verse 22. Luke 9 22. Luke 9, 22. Look at what he says here. He said, saying, the Son of Man must suffer these things, Son of Man, must suffer these things and be rejected of the elders and the chief priests and scribes and be slain and be raised the third day. He was talking about death here. What did he say? He was talking about sufferings here. What did he say? So when he says son of man, he's pointing to the humanity of, of Jesus. And when the scripture is saying son of God, he's pointing to the divinity of Jesus. So when he says son of man, when he says son of God, he's implying the same thing. Who is the person? Jesus. Still implying the same thing. Jesus. 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 Why did he have to take all these different forms and be one person? He did it all for us. There's no way God could have died for the sins of a man. Gods don't die. There's no way he could have been touched by the feelings of our infirmities. God doesn't feel pain like that. He doesn't have a body. And shockingly, spirits don't have emotions. There's no mood swing for the spirits. Why do you think the devil has no repentance? He's a spirit. He's fixed. That's why you're happy now. Somebody pinches you. Because of the pain in your body, you, your emotion changes. True or false? This is one of the amazing things. See? <laughs> this is why the, the, the demons can't receive the gospel. They can only be rejected. It doesn't make sense. Listen, Jesus Christ approached you know, a city. I can't remember the name of the city again. And instantly, a person possessed with the devil screamed, Son of man, what are you hearing? He screamed. It means, listen, he recognized who Jesus is and what Jesus was to do. He knew Jesus is the Savior and he could save anyone. Why didn't he ask him to save him? Why did the devil ask for salvation? They know the end, but yet they can't repent. Are you saying the devil doesn't know his end? Ah, I'll be in eternal damnation. Ah, let me go and repent to I don't cast. Why is he not repenting? Fixated in their ways. That's why, see, when a man leaves the set. The state which you live is the state you'll be forever. What do I mean by that? That means if you die saved, you are saved for life forever. If you die in sin, you are in sin forever. So the only place you can receive repent, um, repentance is where? Is here on earth. Anywhere outside the earth, no repentance. Because at that point, you would already know the outcome. You'll feel sorry. Like the rich man, we looked at, we looked at, which one did we look at the rich man? The, last week, I looked at on the first Sunday of Jesus as well, Jesus the living water. The rich man at that point, at that point, he had already acknowledged that, you know what, I've missed the way, this is the way. He was in regret, but guess what? 
he could not, he had passed safety. So his, his next hour was that, I'm in so much pain, I don't want my, my friends, my brothers to come here. Go and tell my brothers. And he was told, they have the prophets. If they can't hear the prophets, they won't hear you. So simple. That statement is actually very striking. One thing I learned from that parable is that if anybody can't believe the written word of God, you can't, you can't get any other sign from God. He said, the reason why I won't send another is because the one I've sent, they didn't know what. See, damnation is simple. The moment you hear about Jesus and you do not believe in him, your state is already what? Defined. Hell. You hear and you believe, your state is already defined. Heaven. Glory to God. Glory to God. Let's look at Psalms 68 verse 18. You see something about Jesus Christ that is, is, is so heartwarming. 68 verses 18. So heartwarming. Look at what the Bible says. It says, Thou art ascended on high. Thou art led captivity captive. Now, in Luke 24, 24, 25, 26, who did the Bible say David in the Psalms was talking about? Jesus, right? So, who was he writing about here? So, you know, about Jesus, it says, Thou art ascended on high, thou art led captivity captive. And it says, Thou art received gifts for. What he's saying is that everything that Jesus Christ has received, he received it for who? Everything that Jesus has received, he received it for who? If there's anything possible in Christ, in Jesus, it was made possible that it may be made possible in us. Even his death, burial and resurrection, by faith we are buried with him and we are raised with him. And even his resurrection also had another proof. Paul was telling them in the Corinthian church, who, who, who has bewitched you? Who is deceiving you that you know, Christ didn't resurrect from the dead? He said, if Christ didn't resurrect from the dead, then our faith is vain. That's what he said. He said, if Christ didn't raise from the dead, then our faith is vain. So he resurrected that we may resurrect. So the proof that when Jesus comes again, dry bones will take on flesh and they will come out of the grave is that Jesus Christ in a sealed cave could have come out alive. So is the first fruit, is the prototype of everything to the Christian, to the believer. Prototype, we know what prototype means, right? It means the first of a kind. So whenever I read about Jesus in the Bible, it's like a mirror. I see myself. I see what is made possible in me. He said all the gifts he received, he received it for men. He received it for us. Kind. I really wish we could get this. Look at what he says. He said he had received the gifts for men, for the rebellious also. <laughs> Why are the rebellious? Oh man, he's talking about men. Men were rebellious before the coming of Christ, and they still are. It says that the Lord God might dwell where? So he didn't just receive gifts for men, he came to ensure that God dwells amongst men. That statement there is so powerful. That God is not seated somewhere watching mankind. Now God has come to dwell amongst men. Without any struggle, there's a mediator, right? Jesus helps us to relate with God the Father. Jesus helps us hear what God the Father has to tell us. So listen, because of Jesus, a relationship with God is made possible. Because of Jesus, the barrier between a God and a man has been removed. He says that God dwells amongst them. To ensure that it's possible, Jesus didn't, God could not have walked on the street alone. 
His presence is everywhere. For, for, for him to really dwell amongst men, he had to be in men. He had to be in men. God was asking for his resting place. He said, to this man will I look. Isaiah 66 verse 1 and 2. Isaiah 66 verse 1 and 2. He says, Thus saith the Lord, the heaven is my throne, the earth is my footstool. Where's the house of where's the house that you build me? And where's the place of my rest? Verse 2. He says, For all those things that my hand made, and all those things had been said the Lord. But to this man will I look, even to him that is poor and of a contrite spirit, and trembleth at my word. What he's saying is that to him that believes on my word. For God so loved the world, that whosoever believes in him. Would not perish and have what? Even when Moses was declaring the gospel to them, he said, the God, God will raise another prophet like me amongst you. He said, and God will give him his word. He will speak of the words whatsoever that the Lord commands him to speak. And he said, whosoever believes him, say, whoever, whoever does not believe him shall be condemned. So in the believing to God dwelling in us, he had to come inside of us. And in coming inside of us, he made us one with him. In making us one with him, in line with what I said, all that he received, he received you for what? For us. So look, everything that was adorned on Jesus is for us. So when God gave him a name above every other name, what did he do? The name was for us. So we have a name above every other name. Which name is that? Jesus. Even without the declaration, at the appearance of us, there's the mark on us. There's the mark of sonship. There's the mark of ownership. For men to have heard the word of truth, the gospel of our salvation, we are sealed, we are marked with the Holy Spirit of promise. See, the devil can see the Holy Ghost oozing all over you. The Holy Ghost in you cannot be hid. It's a light. It's a light that cannot be put under the table. It's on top. The sad thing is that you might not see it, but oh, they see it. Is an everlasting mark. This one is of God. Uh, this one is of God. He has the Holy Ghost. He's of God. God is in him. He's made one with God. Coming to this understanding, it changes a lot of things. Sometimes if you don't know it, they won't know it. What do I mean? Jesus Christ. I know that he was a cousin to this guy, John the Baptist. And I believe strongly that John the Baptist and Jesus must have met several times. Their mom, their, their mom knew each other, right? And all along, John the Baptist could not discern that it was the one he was waiting for. He was only able to discern it after Jesus had known that it was one sent of God. Then John the Baptist could see him and said, Ah, now the Spirit of the Lord is upon him. I said, What, what question am I going to tell? Sorry, I said, Upon him, so I can't find it, Messiah. Upon him, will you see the Spirit of God descend upon? And from then, everything changed. Once you know who you are, once you know who you are, once you know what has been done for you, but you know what has been given to you? That all that is in Christ. Are you saying it was for me? Yes. The authority. Yes. That's why, see, he said, just as Christ is seated on high at the right hand side of the Father, he's not there alone. We is there with him. We are. There's a posture. You, you, you carry that posture. I went for a meeting recently and you know, people were struggling with the casting out of devils. And some people were very scared. I know, scared? The girl was manifest. I said, when she counts down, let me know. I went back. She said, manifest. And I called her name. Because then I'd, I'd asked for her name. I said, Kwelumi. Say yes. Say you're made free. And she stopped demonstrating. What people struggled with, it was made easy. Why? People were shouting, go, go. Oh, See, th sometimes the way you try to cast out the devil shows fear. 
You just want to, one way, hey, yo, jay, yo, jay, to shy, go. There's a confidence that, mm -mm, I'm above. I look into your eyes, I said, mm -mm, come out. It's a confidence. But it comes first when you know it. That God gave him all authority that we might have authority over sin and death, over principalities and power, over every name that is named, not only in this world, but in that which is to come. Hallelujah. So what God has done in which we have it. Is it holiness? Oh, I've got it. God gave him to get it to me. And defining holiness. Holiness is not an action first. Holiness is first a person before it starts to reflect as an action through you. So don't get me wrong. I'm not denying the act of holiness. Paul said, just as you are holy, be holy. <laughs> just as you have been made holy, act it out. Let them see it. So I will never say, no, it's not an action. It is. But however, it is first a position and a state which you receive. Holiness is a person. Holy is the Lord God Almighty. Holy is the Lord God Almighty. That's what the elders are declaring. They are declaring him holy. Because what could have made the ground that Moses stood upon holy? God told him, remove your sandal for what you have is what? And holy ground. Now, from our term of holiness as an action force, right? What would a non-living thing do to be holy? Did you notice that a lot of entrances were separated in the temples and they were called holy? The cops. What made those non-living things holy? That a living thing cannot be holy. Figure that. How could they be holy and I can't be holy? They were holy by God saying, and they are holy. God said that, separate them unto me. That's what God said, right? The words made it holy first. Then it was then kept holy by not being defiled. When God calls you holy, you are holy. Then because you are holy, you act it out. So I'm strong on the morals of holiness. Because he's made righteous, we are righteous. Because he's made wise, we are made wise. Look at what 1 Corinthians 1 verse 30 says. 1 Corinthians 1 verse 30 says. Look at He says, But of him are you in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us. He's saying this Christ is made unto us. That means prepared. He's served to us. He's given to us. What's he giving to us as? Wisdom. What else? Righteousness. What else? Is this thing not pricking you? Ah. And what else? Oh, God. All this was done through one man. <laughs> There's no other way unto holiness, sanctification, but by Jesus Christ. He said, I am the way. I am the truth. I am the life. If I'm the way, it means any other way aside from me is not the way. Any other truth from the truth is a lie, no matter how similar it may seem. That's why you find a lot of religions, some of many religions, they, can, they have similarities to Christ. The Muslim books, they are similar to the Bible. Let's not lie to ourselves. There are stories. Why did they have Isa in their Bible? Why did they have some of our prophets? So, it's, so they have a... They have, a fragment of the truth, and they fabricate it with what? Lie. They add lies everywhere. And so many, literally almost every religion that there is today, they have a fragment of the Bible. Just so you know that Islam is for the copied. Islam came into existence about 600 years after Christ had died, buried, and resurrected. So one man woke up and said he saw a revelation. And suddenly, all that Jesus had seen and done was made like because he saw contrary. And happy you know that because he had an angelic encounter doesn't mean that was an angel of God. They are fallen angels. Do you hear what I'm saying? They are fallen angels. 
and the devil can appear as an angel. So how do you know who truly is an angel? If he communicates the word that is consistent with Jesus. If he's not speaking the words of Jesus, if he speaks against Jesus, he's automatically a lie. If he speaks against who? Jesus Christ said, I'm the way, I'm the truth. And I'm what? And I'm the life. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Glory to God. Glory to God. See after me. Say, I'm whole that I am by the glory of God. For Christ daily loads me with benefits. I'm flooded with grace. I'm loaded with favor. I'm loaded with increase. I'm loaded with victory. I'm loaded with healing. I'm loaded with righteousness. I'm loaded with holiness. Go back to that Psalm, last scripture and we're done. Psalm um, 68, right? Go to verse 19. So after saying all of that, look at what it says next. It then says, Blessed be the Lord. Who daily loaded us with what? He said, the Lord what? Loads us with? Do we load ourselves? Who does the loading? Who does the loading? And I know when he was saying loads of benefits, he wasn't talking about just the wealth, the cars. Mm -mm. He was talking about all that is in Christ. Is daily loaded into us. It's what they call the daily bread. Come, recon, sunshine. There are things that are attributed to the believer. I can be sleeping and wake up and still exercise authority because it had been given and is loaded in me. Does prayer stir up the, the authority? Yes, it does. But guess what? Understanding as well. Prayer builds the understanding and conviction. If you have the conviction, with ease will you exercise the authority. If you don't have the conviction, you will need to pray. Imagine you're trying to cast out devil. You're praying to God to cast out devil. No. He had given you authority over principles and power. You're not praying for what you have. You have it. So you don't pray to God to give. You face the devil and say, get out. Hallelujah. Can we rise to our feet? Can we rise to our feet? Thank you for listening. We know you have been equipped, changed, and transformed by the word. If you have any questions or inquiries, please reach out to us on Instagram at the Zoe Household Lagos or via mail, zoehousehold at gmail.com. God bless you.